from the East Coast to the best coast. This is the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I'm Dylan. Welcome, everyone. Dylan, I've got a bad case of the March Madness. My body's broken out in hives. I've got rashes. My skin's peeling off. I've gotten way more into it than I thought I would have and should have. Definitely. Yo, I mean, single elimination basketball is the most entertaining shit. Yeah, when are we going to get that for a playing game? I know. Bill for the Bill, NBA. Bill Simmons' crazy as hell tournament. Is that what he calls it? Oh, no. It's the entertaining as hell tournament. It'd be so much better than March Madness. Oh, absolutely. Because it would be the best players in the world. Although March Madness, like the fact that there are these beautiful underdog stories where, you know, Wolford can come into Kentucky and That's almost true. beat them, you know? But. I do love March Madness. I'm a little sad because my Jayhawks got really, really destroyed by Auburn. It was rough. But we'll talk more about the tournament at the end of the pod right now, Dylan. We got to talk about the Wolves, which is also a little bit depressing. So uh, just a little update. The Wolves have gone four and seven in the 11 games they've played in March, bringing their record to 33 and 40 including a five-game losing streak against the Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, Warriors, and Hornets. That's a tough stretch. I wish we could have gone, like, either, what is that, two and nine or, like, six and five. But we have to go four and seven, of course. So we're not in good draft position, and we also can't make the playoffs at all, and there's nothing to look forward to in terms of winning. (laughs) Yeah, the Wolves are in a really weird middle ground as far as uh their their standing in the league you know that 11 12 13 14 spot in the draft is not necessarily where you want to be as a team unless you're like the kings and you didn't expect to be there and your team is actually playing like above its above its uh expectations then that's a really great spot to be but if you're like the wolves and you had playoff expectations it's uh, pretty disappointing. I mean, we, we didn't have playoff expectations for this team. We had them outside of the playoffs. That's true. That's true. I guess playoff hopes. Yeah, I, w- I just wanted to either see them be the nine seed or be the first team out or see them tank. But it's like classic Timberwolves. We can't even be good at putting our team in a good place for the future, you know? Well, the good news is that the remaining schedule is very tough. And Wolves also have a lot of people that are injured. There's a lot of injuries right now. So this next week, on Tuesday, we go against the Clippers and then the Warriors and then the 76ers. All teams that are for sure in the playoffs. Sixers just lost to the Hawks, so you never know. That's true. Trey Young with the last second floater. It's beautiful. Trey Young listened to our podcast, I almost guarantee it. You think he did? I had so much hate for him. And there, he slipped his whole season around right after I released that podcast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, he heard. He's like, man, this coast-to-coast NBA podcast, they don't believe in me. Well, that Dylan guy doesn't believe in me. Chalanga, he's mm-hmm. cool. I'm taking all the credit. Thank you, Dylan. I got a fire going under his ass. And good for him, but uh, is he going to be Rookie of the Year? Probably not. Only Kyle Kuzma thinks so. Yeah, I mean, Luka's got to be Rookie of the Year. There's no real chance that anybody else wins. Although it's kind of sad because Luca has become the the Mavericks got bad. Everyone kind of just forgot about Luca. 
y'all know me. Still the same OG, but I've been low key. They have a chance to keep their pick this year because it's top five protected, and I think they're they're at six. So if they get lucky in the lottery, they could be at in the top four. I mean, they have a good chance. They have a 34.5% chance of getting top four. What if Zion's on the Mavericks next year with Kristaps and Luka? That is so fun to think about. I think we have to root for Hawks or Mavericks for Zion. Oh, absolutely. John Collins, Zion, and Trey Young. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm more excited about the Mavericks, but yeah. Chris Dapps, Zion, and Luca. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. I can't can't say that's not nice. You don't need a point guard. No. Just have a guy who who can play defense. Yeah, slot in in a couple 3 and D players, and that is a championship team in a couple years if Chris Dapps can stay healthy. All right, that was a big tangent. Back to the Timberwolves. Bad news and good news for the Timberwolves. This is both bad news and good news. Is that Rose, Teague, and Covington are done for the season. It was announced last week that they will no longer be playing this season. Covington still suffering from that bone bruise. Derek Rose just had surgery on his elbow to remove some bone chips. And I believe Jeff Teague is dealing with an ankle issue. I'm not I don't quite remember. They've all been ambiguous all season. Yeah. You know, that is good for the Wolves tanking odds because that's what three of the six best players on the team, three of the seven best players on the team. Yeah, hell, go for it. Six. Quick. Of course. Quick, Dylan. Gut ranking, best players of the team. Go. One through go one through ten. Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, one. Everyone else. Sweet. That's it. Sweet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It could go in any order. <laughs> but yeah, uh so let's I'll I'll do it I'll do it seriously just gut. It could go uh, go in any order though, except for Andrew Wiggins is definitely not two. Unless he's playing Oklahoma City. So Carl Anthony Towns, Robert Covington number two, my number three is Dario Saric, and that's just because of his potential, because he's only like a third year in the league. Um and then Taj, even though he's getting older. Uh, Teague and Derek Rose. What am I at? Six. That's six. So three of six for you. Yeah, are out. All right, you go. My top ten: um, Towns, Covington, Taj, Teague, Sarich, Rose, Tyus. Yeah, I have Tyus after that too. So we're basically the same. Okogi KBD, so, Luol Deng, Andrew Wiggins is 11. <laughs> I think you definitely have to put uh, Tolliver above KBD. Yeah, yeah. And Andrew Wiggins actually is above Tyus, too. Really? I, can, I, I don't would, know if I would. I would solidly say Andrew Wiggins is the seventh best player on this team, at worst. And honestly, if I were to really think about it, I would probably move him up. He still has a lot of potential, and sometimes he looks amazing. Wow, I think we flip-flopped because now I'm in the position, and I've shared this on the pod before, where I think that Andrew Wiggins has no place on any NBA team because he's he needs too much of the ball in order to 
ever get hot, and he doesn't get hot consistently enough for him to get the ball. I know. It's a problem. It's a combination of inconsistency, lack of skill, lack of confidence, and like style of play that needs all of those things. Like Andrew Wiggins' style needs confidence. He needs the ball in his hands, and he needs he needs the skill to be able to play that style. And he just he just doesn't have it. You know, I think a lot of people have given the comparison of him to Rudy Gay, where Rudy Gay was this really athletic player full of potential when he came into the league. They have similar. But bodies. now Rudy's got this old man's game, and he's put on some weight. Yeah. Which and he's actually uh, become a very useful NBA player. And now that he's not being paid so much, he I mean I, he's actually a, a quality veteran to have on your team. So what um, you're telling me is that Pop's going to be 90 years old and he's going to find Andrew Wiggins when he's 35 and turn him into an amazing power forward. I wouldn't say amazing. Rudy Gay's not amazing, but a serviceable, <laughs> a serviceable role player. <laughs> Which is uh, a little disappointing for a number one pick. <laughs> I can't wait. Let's trade. Let's trade him right now to Pop. Pop would love Andrew Wiggins, wouldn't oh, he? Oh yeah. This, I mean, this, the Spurs can have him. I think that Pop could go for it. Everybody's zigging. He he'd zag on Wiggins right now. Yeah, that's for another pod. I want to talk about some stats, some March stats, some trends, some interesting things I've been noticing. So first, let's talk about Carl Anthony Towns's March. He is. I just having... want to say something. Oh, go ahead. Is that fifty? Percent from three, is that a mistake? <laughs> no, that is in March. He is 55% from the field, 50% from three, 86% from the free throw line. <laughs> he's 50% from three? Yes, in the month of Look March. Look out, Dirk. He's, he's going to be the like best seven five a game. ever. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So just just to clarify, in the month of March... Carl Anthony Towns is scoring 29.5 points a game, 13 and a half rebounds with four offensive rebounds. I didn't put that in there, but I, I want to add that. 3.8 assists, a block per game, shooting 55, 50, 86. 55, 50, 86. Dylan. Those shooting splits are insane. <laughs> I also saw... Over the weekend, Towns became the first player in NBA history in his first four th- seasons to have 7,000 points, 3,500 rebounds, and 353-pointers. Um, yeah, that's just going to be for the rest of his career. You're, they're going to be showing stats like that. Yeah, because no one's ever done this before. Also, it was crazy. So there were 10 players, I believe, that had 7,000 points, 3,500 rebounds. And the next closest in three-pointers in four years in the league had five three-pointers. Carl Anthony Towns has 358 now. Yeah, I'm numb (laughs) to all those facts because it's just like we've been seeing them for so long now. I know. He is such a star. He is such a star. We need to get him some help. But there's some good news as far as stats go. So let's look at Okogi's last four games. He's been on a little bit of a hot streak the last four games. Mm. He scored 16.8 points per game, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.3 steals, and he's been shooting 53% from the floor, 35% from three, uh, only 66 from 
the free throw line, but he's only had like eight or 12 attempts, I, I believe. So those averages compared to the rest of his season. So on the season, he's shooting 38% from the floor and 27% from three. So this is a huge, huge jump. And it's only a four-game sample size, but it's pretty encouraging to see, right? Yeah. So they were talking about this on the Zach Lowe podcast oh, with cool. Ryan Rosillo. Cool. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about Josh Okogie, and Rosillo was huge on Okogie, and he's like, "Oh, he's this guy is starting to stroke it from three. He's going to be a this guy's going to be a, like an NBA starter." And then Zach Lowe was like, "Wait, he's only shooting twenty eight percent." from three on the season, and then he was like, oh, well, then maybe not. But I don't think that they had the splits pulled up because he is shooting 35%, which is fucking league average. Yeah, that is league average. And that's only four games, granted. Right, but right. But he's starting to figure it out. Exactly, and he's, like, watching him, he looks more confident than ever. I tweeted this out the other day is that he just has all these moments that make you go – wow you know he, he's got that wow factor where he just makes an amazing play whether it's a crafty pass which is something that has like people really don't talk about it's his passing ability he's got great vision when he's driving believe me i talked about it on the podcast yeah when he's driving to the basket he's got great vision at finding that cutter underneath the basket and just dropping off a pass to taj or whoever's cutting to the basket for an easy even though layup he he does get off his feet a lot, which is a problem. Like he does make those rookie mistakes of mm-hmm. like putting himself into extreme trouble. Mm-hmm. But when he gets himself out of it, it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome to watch. He's stay on your feet more, just a little bit more, Josh. <laughs> um, you know, he's fun to watch in a lot of the same ways that Shabazz Muhammad was fun to watch. You know, as far as his crazy athleticism and his speed and his sort of like reckless abandon when he's playing. But he doesn't have the ball all the time. Right. And he is a little bit like um, he makes me quite a bit less nervous than Shabazz Muhammad. (laughs) I remember, you know, when Shabazz used to get in the game, I used to just like clench the chair like, please, Shabazz, hold on to the ball. don't be crazy there was that one january like two or three january's ago where he was like 60 percent from three yeah against he did he had a great game against the warriors he like he beat the warriors kind of like by himself he scored like 35 points he is an enigma true you know i have a shoe that is signed by him i paid 90 dollars to get a shoe signed by shabazz muhammad i don't know it was a rash decision I will, I will. You can't that. even wear that shoe. I know. So it's not even. It's one shoe. It's one shoe, size fifteen. Yeah, that's a bad purchase. I know. I know. <laughs> it was for charity, though, so I don't feel that bad. All right, so Joshua Kogi's looking awesome. I want to talk about Tyus Jones as a starter. So, he has been starting. Uh, he started six games in a row now. Because Jeff Teague is done. He started several other games throughout the season. But this is a six-game chunk we're looking at since Jeff Teague has been out. He had one terrible game against Houston where he went like 0 for 6, didn't score any points. So I'm not counting that game in the splits, okay? So we've got a five-game split. Yeah. Um, hey, if you don't count the bad games, Carl Anthony Towns is averaging 40 points a game. Well, listen, you'll see why I'm not counting the game when, when you hear the split. So in the five games, not including the Houston game, five games, he's averaged 12.8 points, 
2.8 rebounds, seven assists on 49-36, and 100% from the free throw line. So uh, he only took eight free throws. So that's a negligible stat. We don't have to worry about that. But 12, almost 13 points, three rebounds, seven assists. Really quality. If we include the Houston game, everything drops down to 10 points, three rebounds, 6.7 assists on 41% shooting, 28% from the three because he missed like three or four three-pointers against Houston. So wipe that bad game away, and those five games look pretty solid for Tyus Jones. The eye test says that he is a pretty solid player and has some starter potential. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Tyus Jones? What are your thoughts? I don't think he has starter potential. No. Nah. I think he's too small. He he He's not strong enough. He's just going to get beat. He's not big enough to to be able to switch in the NBA, and so him as like a quality starter, I don't see it. And he, I don't think he has that Jeff Teague kind of like anger <laughs> to be able to stay in the game, you know? Yeah, and he really does not have any offensive game. If he could shoot threes, it would be different, but he's not a very good free th- three-point shooter. He's bel- Yeah, he's, he's average. Yeah. He's average, but he's such a tough defender, you know, like, he, and he makes, he makes winning plays, which I like. I, and, and the thing about the Timberwolves is that for a long time now, we have not had very many players that make winning plays, you know, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. That's the most important thing. I think. Right. Right. So when I, when I think about pl- players on the Wolves team that actually, you know, that when I think about closers who aren't going to crumble under the pressure. Taj Gibson is one, and I think Tyus might be the only other one. I'm not positive because I haven't seen him in a lot of high-pressure situations, but his consistency and his— Well, we did see him in the NCAA championship. Yeah, and he had a great game. He won that game for Duke. <laughs> yeah. Um, against a really good Wisconsin team. That Wisconsin team was good as fuck. Single-handedly got himself drafted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so— Anyway, I, I like Tyus Jones. Maybe he's not a starter. We'll talk some more about that later. But I really hope that he continues to show that he is worth a second contract with this team. Now I want to talk about Dario Saric, the homie. One of your favorite Timberwolves players, Dylan. So, February 11th, Dario Saric got put into the starting lineup by Ryan Saunders. Everybody had been crying since he joined the team, he should be starting. He should be starting. Space the floor for Towns. What's interesting is I pulled up his numbers as a starter versus as a bench player, and the stats are shockingly similar. So here's since February 11th, since he started, he's played 18 games. 10.8 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.6 assists on 45-40-81 shooting splits at 24.5 minutes per game. When he was a bench player from November 14th to February 8th, that's 41 games, it was 9.6 points, 5.3 rebounds, 1.4 assists on 44, 37, 87 splits in 23 minutes per game. I don't think that's the right thing to look at. Look at Carl Anthony Towns before and after. Look at the games that he's played with Dario before he started and after he started. That's what you need to look at. Well, I could tell you right now, I mean, his March has been crazy. 
So the the importance of Dario starting isn't because Dario's playing better, which he's playing marginally better, but not really. But it's really Carl Anthony Towns is able to have some room. And he's able, like, just his post-up game is so much better with him than it is with Taj Gibson. That's true. He's got a lot more room down there. He seems to be able to navigate doubles, double teams better. And I think that is partially because there is just more room. You know, like Taj's man isn't coming over to him. Or you know, yeah. there's four out instead of three out. So there's more targets to hit. Yeah, exactly. Because if the double team's coming from Taj, you can give it to Taj, but it's just going to be a dunk. Or it's going to be a layup. Or it's going to be missed. But if you give it to Dario, it's going to be a three. Yeah. Or an awesome cut to the basket. So it's just better for Carl on the offensive end. Yeah, you're right. I do I do want to see, though, I want to see, especially now that Jeff Teague and Derrick Rose are not coming back, I want to see Dario's assist total uh, get up there because he's a better passer than 1.6 assists per game. He has good vision, and I, you know I've seen him, some of the passes he can make, the way that he can handle the ball. I would really like to see him get up to two, three assists for the rest of the season. I also do I want to give him props for getting his three-point shooting percentage up to 40%. That's big. That's huge. That gives us two 40% three-point shooters on this team. Uh, and when Robert Covington comes back, maybe a third 40% three-point shooter, which going into next season, that gives me a lot of hope. Um, that this team could possibly make the playoffs. Yeah, one of the most exciting parts about his game was his give-and-go game Mm -hmm. with KBD. Right. Uh, That was really fun to watch for two games while Kata actually looked like an NBA player. Yeah. But he's kind of declined a little bit lately. And if Dario can get another player who's like high IQ, kind of like Kata, and can get in on the right cuts, maybe Josh Okoge, maybe it's Robert Covington, um, I think that that could be a really fun second option next to Carl Anthony Towns. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, and, you know, Akogi, I think, is a, a high IQ player once he slows his mind down. I, I don't know how to describe it other than to say, like, I don't want him to slow his mind down. I want him to slow his heart down. Yeah. Slow his, I mean, he needs Like to his s- mind's heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it needs to not look like. He, he needs to go fast without it looking like he's going fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I looked up some of K, Kata's, KBD's numbers. I wanted to see how he was doing since he started playing regular minutes, but I decided not to include them because they were really underwhelming and disappointing. But the eye test was exciting for the first couple games that he played, like the games that he started. Yeah, he scored double <laughs> digits back to back, and then he's really fallen off. Um, since Andrew Riggins yeah. came back. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, KBD, I mean, he. we'll see. He's a KBD is TBD. I think you already did that on, like, the first pod. God damn it. <laughs> no, it's great. KBD's TBD. He always will be. All right, Dylan, you got anything else? Well, I wanted to talk about our man. Well, he's not really our man. Let's just call him some other man who happens to be on our team. Derek Rose. Droz. I was trying to look up, like, how weird of a player he is because he was so good, so, so, so good for three years, and now we're not even sure if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. And 
I think that a lot of casual basketball fans would be like, oh, yeah, D. Rose, Hall of Fame, yeah, 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 because everyone, for some reason, I have no idea because he has a horrible personality and a lot of clear flaws. But uh, (laughs) for some reason, everybody likes him still, even though he's like, at best, he's got a very neutral temperament in general. Like, did you see him when he was on the when he was on the sideline? He was like trying to cheer someone up, and and he like starts talking about him and how he's gone through all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, this guy is going through cancer. <laughs> yep, Derek Rose like, really does not have a great personality. I I I always think about that video of the uh, must have been 20, 2011 All Star Game, where it's like Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Carmelo Anthony all dancing it's the they're announcing the starters and those four are all dancing and then derrick rose is just on the side standing completely still stone-faced yeah he's like <laughs> so boring <laughs> at best he's boring at worst he's got serious moral questions yeah <laughs> so i don't understand why everybody's so excited about him having this comeback season that he kind of had but not even really because he's got bone spurs or whatever and now he had to have surgery again well he, he's not boring on the court that's the thing is that his game is electric like so is, fun to watch he's one of the most fun players to watch any novice basketball fan could watch a game and say or does watch a game and they say oh derrick rose he's the best player on that team i told you about that that dad and son at msg right yeah, and they were just like, oh, Derrick Rose, he's pretty good. Or Abigail was like, oh, you know, Derrick, I, I have to give it to him. He was really good. Yeah. Or like my my nephews who are like three and five who are like chanting Derrick Rose. Yeah, I mean, he, he does. Like, he's got a crazy, exciting game. But, <laughs> but you brought up an interesting question that we're going to talk about. Three, three and six, I have to say, my nephews. I, okay. I had to correct that because my dad's going to listen to this and my mom's going to listen to this and they're going to be like, yeah, just so you know. <laughs> they always love to correct me. They're like, no swears. And also, if you're going to talk about us, you got to get the right numbers. They say no swears? They don't like our swears. Oh. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Carlson parents. But hey, they're. There are only two of the ten listeners that we've got. Listen, shouts out to all our listeners really quick. If you made it this far in the pod, you're amazing. Give yourself a pat on the back right now. <laughs> back to Derrick Rose. <laughs> he will be the only MVP ever to not be in the Hall of Fame. I texted you that late ni- late at night one time. We have these like late night sexual basketball conversations all the time and that was one of mine i just got really hyped i was like oh my god every other mvp has been in the hall of fame and he will not be in the hall of fame and that's insane to me yeah that was especially like that was an especially sexy text to get at one in the morning i was like oh dylan that's mm, a that's a freezing thickening. cold take of the north <laughs> um but you're right so i did a little bit of research and yeah, thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to go through every Hall of Fame player and look at their resume because that would be ridiculous. And I'm not that committed to this. I'm not that committed to anything, actually. Because that would take so fucking long. Except Abigail. Well. 
If you're telling me I gotta pick, she is at she is at the library. If I if you're telling me I gotta pick between her and going through every single Hall of Fame player's resume and writing it down on our agenda, let me just say, it would be it would be an easy choice, obviously. Anyway, so what I did is I thought, let me look at all the other players who have been one-time MVPs, because I think that's a fair crop of players. To, to compare Derrick Rose to. I figured I'd find some players who also had some injury-riddled careers, which maybe made them less great and made them not win a second or third or fourth MVP. And what I found is that... Pick the, pick the three worst of those, but yeah. I will. I'll pick... I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to pick the most comparable ones, okay? So okay. Derrick Rose's resume is a three-time All-Star, one-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, All-Rookie First Team, and one All-NBA First Team. And he's been to the playoffs five times. Technically, six times, but one of the times he got hurt and he only played one game, so I'm not counting that. So pretty underwhelming resume. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have to say we have to include his time as a Memphis Tiger. Uh, he did get to – he got to the finals, right? He, Yeah, 38 – in two record he did do a great job in college he took the memphis tigers to the ncaa attorney championship game and uh who they lose to i'm not sure but check this out in 2009 an ncaa investigation revealed that rose's sat scores had been invalidated and so that season does not count oh so that won't help him in his hall of fame case then no it won't Shit. Oh, he is totally fucked. He's fucked for the Hall of Fame. So I remembered that, but I forgot that it won't count. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Uh-huh. God, he has he has hit every rock he could possibly hit in his career. He's had academic failures, he's had personal failures, and he's had injury related failures. I know. It's tough. He also has made so much damn money though. <laughs> He's made so Yeah, much we can't. Money. I was telling you earlier, I can't feel bad for anyone in the NBA who's made more than $10 million. Yeah. I just don't feel bad for you. I can I can empathize because, you know, everyone comes from different situations. Everyone has like their own like level of support network, whatever, blah blah blah. But dog, you got enough money to He's... get yourself a therapist and like a financial manager. Like so <laughs> <laughs> he's made like a hundred million. I know so he's, he's rich as fuck. Anyway, I went back to all the other one-time MVPs. There have been eighteen one-time MVPs in the history of the NBA. I went all the way back to the beginning, even pre-merger. And here are the most comparable, the closest to Derrick Rose's resume. So he's got very little playoff success, and very little awards. So I looked at who, who's got very little awards. I went all the way back to Bill Walton. Bill Walton, only a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defense. So that's, only, that's, that's pretty comparable if you were to stop right there to Derrick Rose's resume. And you might say, Trelango, why is Bill Walton in the Hall of Fame? Well, because he's a... No, I, I wouldn't say that. 
All right, Dylan might not say that, but a listener might say, well, why is he in the Hall of Fame? That doesn't sound that great. He's a two-time NBA champ, really only one time. I mean, he, he played a little bit with the Celtics in his second championship. He was the finals MVP. He won a six-man of the year. He was the blocks leader one year and a rebound leader one year. Bill Walton also had an incredible college career leading UCLA to three titles? Two or three. It, I just read the Bill Walton chapter in my love, basketball love story book. Who wrote that? That is written by Jackie McMullen, Rafe Bartholomew, and Don Clores. I don't know any of those names except for Jackie McMullen, but I like Jackie. Uh, so he was a two-time champion, and he was the most outstanding player in both of those mm-hmm. uh, years, 72 and 73. He's he's probably a top 10 college player of all time. The difference between him and Derrick Rose is that Derrick Rose wasn't even the best player in the league. He wasn't even the third best or the second best player in the league the year that he won MVP. No, a lot of people think he shouldn't have won. Yeah, Dwight Howard and LeBron James easily had better cases. So LeBron James, I think, was probably the MVP of that season. He was the, he had the most win shares, he had the highest box plus minus, and he had the highest VORP of that year. All the advanced stats pointed to LeBron. But I think that the second best player that year was probably Dwight Howard. And that's probably your choice, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And like it's it's been long. I mean, Derrick Rose had the narrative because he was 22. He was so young. And he was, like we said, so exciting to watch. Just electric on the court. and so Faster than Westbrook. Oh. Go back and watch. Oh, yeah. He was... Anybody who hasn't seen. <laughs> he's still, like, he might be faster than Westbrook right now. Like, he is still so fast. So, I mean, he ha- he had the narrative. But like I said, he doesn't have the resume. So, Bill Walton was close. As far as resume goes, but his the heights that Bill Walton reached were so much higher than uh, the Derrick Rose. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, Derrick Rose, very limited playoff success. Let me see if there's another one-time MVP that had very limited playoff success. I think that actually the best comp is Wes Unseld, mm. but he was a finals MVP. Yes. Wes Unseld was a a five-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, one-time champion. In his championship, he won finals MVP. He led the league in rebounds, and he was Rookie of the Year. So not a great resume as far as awards, but the difference is championship. He was the best player on a championship team. That essentially translates to being the best player in the NBA, right? If you are MVP... Finals MVP and NBA champion. That means that year you were the best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Derrick Rose's one shot was probably to beat LeBron in 2011 and then go on to beat the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And then I want to compare him really quickly to a couple of his contemporaries. So we've got James Harden and Russell Westbrook as our last two MVPs. As it stands, James Harden's resume is seven all-star appearances, five all-NBA teams, one-time scoring champ, one-time assist leader, six-man of the year, and all-rookie first team. That's already so much better 
than Russell Westbrook, and, and he might win again this year. And he's got a 50% chance of winning this year. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really good win this year. Then we've got Russell Westbrook, who, like Derrick Rose, had a questionable MVP season. Dylan and I had a conversation the other day that perhaps James Harden has deserved MVP this year, last year, and the year that Russell Westbrook won. And maybe James Harden is a little bit underrated. But I don't think James Harden's underrated, but <laughs> I, I just have to factor in uh, playoff success. That's true. That's true. He's had a hard time in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook, who also had a questionable MVP like Derrick Rose, eight-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA, two-time scoring champ, one-time assist leader, all-rookie first team. And I included this because for some reason, it, like when people are talking Hall of Fame, they, they count it, but All-Star MVP, I think that's yeah. bullshit. But it, It's not even close, though. Russ and Harden are so much better than Derrick so Rose. So much better and like very clearly Hall of Fame players. If if their careers and, ended right now, they would be Hall of Fame players. And I think that Russell Westbrook deserved his MVP award more than Derrick Rose did. I agree. I agree. I think in the so, moment I I was a Russell Westbrook stand and I was like he's doing a triple double this is crazy he needs it I think I remember talking to you about that and you were huge on Russ and I was just not I was I wasn't even in the same spot as you were but now I've come back around and I'm like a Russ neutralist I still think he's an asshole but he's uh he's underrated almost yeah I will always love Russ I, like I he's another one of those players that's just so fun to watch though things that he does but if just for staying in a small market it just that hits my heart that hits me close yeah he loves okc and he convinced paul george to love okc too which is cool so i'll always have a soft spot for that remember when him and cameron Payne used to do their little dances their little handshake dances before the start of the game yo i'm gonna send you some videos it was so charming oh russell westbrook i i think that loki he is a, an amazing teammate and it's evidenced by the fact that no matter what happened everyone on his team had his back immediately mm-hmm. and I, I think that if he weren't a good teammate they would have just said nothing mm-hmm. i think it was very clear that russell westbrook wasn't completely in the right in the situation with the jazz fan but they were so quick to defend him that it just points out that he's such a good teammate yeah. and the only thing that makes me not like him is that he's such a horrible opponent. <laughs> he's a horrible opponent. That fucking Clay Thompson bullshit. <laughs> when he, <laughs> what the hell? Oh like, man! For no reason. And if anybody, if he thinks anybody is not on his side, he has to go way too far with them. Yeah. And it's like, and and I don't I don't know what happened before the jazz fan said some obscene thing or whatever, but like he just always pushes the limit. And he told that 76ers fan, he's like, sit down fatty. And then he, the 76ers fan flips, flicks him off. Like, of course you're going to be pissed off if someone's telling you to sit down fatty. Like that's rude. And he's just a rude, rude person to people that are not on his side. And he takes everything way too close to his heart. Yo, Russell Westbrook Way is to heart. straight up on that why not movement, though. That's his whole thing. That's his motto. Why not? 
Why not? He's all passion. True. Just 100%. Just nothing but passion. Not a lot of head, a lot of heart. A lot of heart and a lot of physical attributes. Uh, (laughs) Have you seen that video of him with his shirt off in the car singing along to, Now I do what I want. Now I do what I want. Now I do what I want. He posted it on Instagram like no, but right after KD left. It was awesome. That's that's so indicative of him. I mean, I love I one of my favorite things is his fashion sense. Yes. His fashion sense is transcendent. Oh, I love it. He's an icon. Um, yeah. Derek Rose, you're not an MVP. Or you are an MVP. You're not an MVP, but you are an MVP. But you're not in the Hall of Fame. Not a Hall <laughs> of Fame player. An MVP in all of our hearts. And in the basketball books of records. Really quick before we move on, I just want to say one more thing about Russ. Is that if I was rich and famous, I would dress exactly like Russell Westbrook. Why not? Why not? All right. We're going to finish off this podcast with a couple more Wolves topics. So we were talking earlier about where the Wolves are in the lottery. Right now, they're in the 11th spot in the lottery. Ahead of Charlotte by... Or behind Charlotte? I don't know. This is always confusing. They've got a worse record than Charlotte by half a game. <laughs> then the Magic are two games away from them. And the Kings are three and a half games at, in front of them. So it seems like those three teams are, are still trying to win. So it seems like the Wolves are at least safe at 11. Um, because the Magic are still trying to make... They're still really close to the playoffs. The Charlotte Hornets are on the outside looking in. But as far as I could tell, they want to make the playoffs. And the Kings just want to win. They just want to see how far they can push this team. Even though they're like five or six games out of the playoff race, they still want to win. So we seem safe at 11, right? I'm not sure about Charlotte, but yeah, I think we are safe at 11 because I think we're also close to the 10th and 9th teams. Uh, Lakers and uh, who is it? The Wizards? The Pelicans. So the next closest teams to us uh, at a lower draft pick are the Lakers at there we're one and a half games back from them the pelicans were two and a half back from them and the wizards were three and a half back from them the lakers though in the last 10 games have gone one of nine and they seem pretty content to lose every game for the rest of the season they've got nothing not to- only is lebron <laughs> the goat winner he is the goat loser he's how so Im- good impressive at is it <laughs> how impressive is it like Everybody's freaking out that he got blocked by Mario Hazonia. He had no intention of making that shot. Why does anyone think he wanted to even make that shot? He was just like, okay, whatever. He's blocking it, I guess. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get heat on this on, on Twitter, but whatever. Yeah, he didn't care. He doesn't care. He's done. The season's over. He didn't for even him. care. He barely jumped. He is just. Do you actually think he tried to make that shot? I don't. I don't think there's a chance in fucking hell that he tried to make that shot. I think he was trying twenty five percent. I think that he was doing he was a like, 25% trying. He's like, I'm going to step back, and if it goes in, it goes in. But he he's done it before where he's like, just kind of step back, and he's like, I don't care if I win this game. Yeah. But if he would have tried to win that game, he would have flipped it over and, ju- and dunked on Mario. It's LeBron's not stupid. Pretty obvious. There's no reason. Lonzo and Ingram are out, so there's no reason to try. You just want to get the best draft pick that you could use to make a trade this offseason. That's it. That's it. LeBron is out until he gets some vets in there. He's he's finished. He's he's on set for Space Jam 2 right now. He's in the fucking can writers you, room. <laughs> can you believe that 
people actually think that him getting blocked by Mario Hazonia is indicative of him losing any of his athletic skill. Like, oh. it's the, that's one of the dumbest things I've seen on NBA Twitter in a long time. He's fine. I mean, he's. I think he's got two more full seasons of being fucking amazing. A top three NBA player. Yeah, especially because this season was a break for him, man. He played, like, two months of basketball. That's it. If he, yeah, and if he wouldn't have, if he would have come back and in a normal time frame, he would be an All NBA first team player. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All George has fallen back. He would, he would be. It's just look at the fucking stats. He's he's averaging higher than his career averages in like every category. Mm-hmm. So like, don't come at me with this LeBron James is washed bullshit. Yeah, man, it's just so stupid. And let's not forget, before he got hurt, the Lakers were having an amazing season. Everyone was like, "Holy shit, maybe the Lakers are better than we thought." Yeah, they were, like, maybe a half game or, like, tied for having home court advantage in the first round. Yeah, they and were, I was like, they were this third is and fourth seed, like, the whole first part of the season. And then LeBron got hurt, yeah. and they, it derailed. And then the Anthony Davis thing happened, and it just turned into a toxic mess. But you can't tell me that this team wasn't good because they were fucking good. They, it was... And they were the most fun team to watch in the league mm-hmm. just because they scored all their points at 20 miles per hour. <laughs> I know. It was so cool. It was so, so cool. Yeah, especially I, with LeBron James leading the way. Like, LeBron James taking the ball in transition like that. 35-year-old LeBron James just sprinting down the court. Oh, it was... It was like watching Bill Walton. <laughs> you know what? And, and his cronies. Like, he's passing it just fast breaking all the time. This is, this is a, a tangent. But I would love to see Ben Simmons on a team that plays that fast. I would love. Yes. I would love that. Like, put Ben Simmons on the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons, Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. Ben Simmons and LeBron James? I guess. Ben Simmons, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. We talked about Kawhi this. Kawhi signs there. We talked about this. I, I, I remember I had the same. The same reaction. I said, Ben Simmons and LeBron James, they can't do that. And then I remembered that LeBron James is like a really good shooter now. He has low-key turned himself into an excellent three-point shooter. And nobody. And in reality, in reality, he was always clutch. Like, even on those Cleveland teams, he had some clutch threes from mm-hmm. 35 feet. Mm-hmm. And People who say he can't shoot are idiots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's... <laughs> He's. I mean, he has worked to improve it, to make it more consistent. But now he's. Yeah, now he's like legit a legitimate threat. But before he was always still. Yeah, you've viable. always you've always had to guard LeBron at all levels of the court. Anyway, the Lakers are uh, on their way to <laughs> having a really bad record because they packed it in. Um, but we might be able to catch. Washington or New Orleans, Brad Beal is is still playing real good. So if if the Wolves play poorly, we could move down. But as it stands, at the 11th spot, we've got a 9.4% chance of getting a top four pick and a 2% chance of getting number one. So likely we'll be somewhere around the 11 range. That's as it stands. That's not like given the fact that we could move up and up or down in the standings or like win projections or anything like that, right? Yep, that's just as it stands right now. So at the eleventh spot, there's a nine point four percent chance of a top four pick. That's crazy to me. That's a we have the big we chance. have almost yeah we have almost the same chances of getting a top four pick as the Knicks have of getting Zion. 
eight, which is 14%. That's insane. I don't think people are realizing how the NBA lottery is going to it's it's going to be up in the air for anybody. Mhm. People are just penciling in the Knicks or the uh Bulls or the Suns for getting the number 1 pick or whatever and it's like no, the top 8 teams have legitimate chances at Zion and almost everyone has a legitimate chance at getting in the top 4. So and you know what the sexiest thing about this whole reordering of the odds is of the lottery? Hmm. Adam Silver. Adam Silver is he, sexy, yeah. No, no, no. He can rig this. David Stern style, except in ways that are way better than David Stern rigged the lottery. <laughs> yeah, let's get um, Zion in... Uh, let's rig it. Let's get Zion in Cleveland. No, keep him out of... <laughs> Keep him out of Phoenix and Cleveland. Put him on the coast. Yeah, he's going to New York, baby. I know. I want him in. I want him in L.A. That would be so tight. <laughs> that would be so tight. LeBron could just like hand over the mantle. LeBron is like forty three and still riding Zion's coattails. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? The title counters can suck it. Yeah, that's actually that. I would love for LeBron when he's like done, when he can't really play that much anymore. I want him to just hop around to teams and just he's collect a couple chips. <laughs> yeah, he could be the ultimate glue guy. I mean, not in terms of uh, off the court stuff because sometimes, he could, <laughs> but like on the court. No, I mean just in terms of his skill set, he can do anything on the court, and you we've already seen him be able to like sit back because he did it with Kyrie. He was even able to do it with Brandon Ingram and just sit back and be the uh, three and D guy for those guys. Like yeah. he can do anything he wants to do legitimately. Yeah. Think about 42 year old LeBron playing 15 minutes a game, just doing Vince Carter stuff. Yeah. He could be the Vince Carter of the league easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way he takes care of his body. That'd be amazing to watch. I would love that. And It'd be territory that no goat has ever seen, not even Kareem. I mean, kind of Kareem, but not even. Yeah, because like when 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 Jordan came back for the Wizards, he was not a role player. He <laughs> he was their best player. Yeah, he was their best player by far. I think he was their only All Star. Mm hmm. And and he still had to shoot twenty five times a game. Yeah, Shaq tried to do the the ring collector thing, but Shaq's body wore down and he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, he didn't take care of his body ever. That's why this this could be something different. I think I'm into it. I'm I'm really into it. LeBron, I, you could stay in the league until you're 50, man. I don't care. Never leave us. Never yeah, leave us. Don't. All right, but Timberwolves draft pick. Now I saw on Twitter Patrick Fenelon, host of Land of Ten Thousand Takes, which I'm subscribed to, said, "Should the Wolves?" use their draft pick to draft talent, or should they try to trade it to perhaps unload Andrew Wiggins? My res immediate response was, no way they can unload Andrew Wiggins with a late lottery pick. Second, I don't think that they should unload Andrew Wiggins quite yet. Third, I think that they could unload Gorgie Jang with a late lottery pick. So, Dylan, That'd be great. my question for you is, would you prefer the Wolves use their pick to get another young player on the squad or to perhaps use it to get off of Gorgie's money? It depends on how the rest of this tournament goes, really. 
Is there depth? There are some interesting prospects that could fall uh, around there. I'm, I've been looking at mock drafts. A lot of people have like KZ, Okpala, kind of around that range. Keldon Johnson sometimes is around that range. My Here's my thoughts. I think that the Wolves are pretty locked into their squad as is. As far as, I mean, Towns is signed long-term. Wiggins is signed long-term. Covington signed long-term. Dario is going going to be going into restricted free agency after next year. So we'll have the advantage of signing him. So our core, plus a Kogi, Keita, our core is set and, uh, and under team control. So it would be nice to then be able to wiggle out of some money by unloading Gorgie Jang, trading a pick that, like, who knows? You know, this draft seems to be a, a mystery <laughs> to to all experts from all, everything that I can tell. So unloading Gorgie Jang, Jang freeing up $17 million in cap room for this offseason that we could use to pick up some wing depth, maybe, so that if Covington gets hurt again, we're not completely screwed to re-sign Taj, to re-sign Tyus Jones, and see what we can do, you know? I don't know how we're going to free that up, because don't we have to match salaries? Not if they have space. I don't think they'd want to use space on Gorgie, though. Yeah, that's true. That's tough. And I think, actually, we really wouldn't be able to, like, you wouldn't trade Gorgie until the season, and then you trade him with a pick for an expiring. So, like, a a 2021 first-rounder for Gorgie in return for... I don't know, Chandler Parsons expiring or whatever. A, a lot of teams could end up rebuilding that we, we don't expect to be rebuilding. So it's a constantly changing landscape. Can we talk about somebody that I kind of want to talk about? So this might be just an automatic yes, but what's Jeff T going to do? Is he just going to take the $18 million and figure it out next year? $19 million. I think that he's got to take the player option, right? Like Unless he really hates it here. They're, like it doesn't make any sense for him not to take the 19 million because there's no way on earth that he's getting that anywhere else. But my question is: Is there any way on earth that he gets like a four years, 48, four years, 50, and is that like his last big contract, and then he goes in? Because like it could be at the end of next year that he doesn't have any more game left in him because he's just been too injured the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, maybe if a team gets desperate and, you know, strikes out, because Eric Bledsoe's off the market now. So as you, you, you got Kyrie and you got Kemba as free agent point guards. And then after that, Jeff Teague might be the best option. Yo, if I was his agent, I would say take the $19 million. But yeah, other free agent point guards, Isaiah Thomas. Are you looking this up? Rajon Rondo. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell is restricted. Um, Derek Rose, of course, is unrestricted. Interesting, Malcolm Brogdon is a, a restricted free agent. I imagine the Bucks will want to resign him though. It's it will it'll see how their season goes though, their their playoffs goes. And then Darren Collison, Patrick Beverly, Terry Rozier is gonna be restricted. I guess Terry Rozier I think would be equal to Jeff Teague, not that much better. But if the Celtics if if Kyrie leaves then the Celtics are going to re-sign Terry. Oh aren't they? yeah, you know. Yeah, so one of the two. Yeah, so Teague still, by virtue of either Kyrie leaves or Terry leaves, is three. Alfred Payton, Jeff Teague's a better option. So yeah, after Kemba and Kyrie, Jeff Teague is the third best free agent point guard 
There's really not a lot of great free agent point guards coming out this year. Who's to say that someone's not going to pay him $15 million a year? And I could see, you know, New York, if they do some weird stuff this offseason, <laughs> they might they might overpay him. I could see it. I, I'm, I'm going to hope. I mean, that would be huge for Minnesota. So we have to pray. We have to pray. And then, I, I mean, I would think that Minnesota would then have to draft a point guard. They would have to use that pick to try to get a young point guard. Well, that's what we want anyway. We want Trey. Yes, that's perfect. Use the number 11 pick to draft Trey Jones. Actually, maybe Trey down, because <laughs> I don't know if Trey Jones is the number 11 pick. No. He's got more size than Tyus. That's something that I like. Yeah, and he's already a really, really good defender. I think I would actually I would love for Trey Jones to play for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I would love to have the Jones brothers just two tiny little guards out there on the perimeter. The Joe Bros. Oh, shit. That would be so fun. And they would love it, too. They love each other. Yeah, I can't wait for the Joe Bros to join the Wolves. We want to draft Trey Jones. Speaking of speaking of Trey Jones, how's your bracket doing? Probably horribly. I had the Gophers and the Elite Eight. You had the Gophers and they, the Elite Eight? And, yeah, they got destroyed. Rightfully so. But Jordan Murphy wasn't playing, so my heart is still held high. Or ha- something's, ha- something's high. Something's high right now. I, unfortunately, had Murray State going all the way to the Elite Eight. Perhaps um, foolishly. I guess, yes, foolishly. Proven to be foolishly. Uh, and I Nothing also, wrong with that. <laughs> I had Kansas going to the Sweet 16. And they got fucking destroyed by Auburn so I wanted to point out something that I texted you I hate all of these top players shots I don't like it the way that any of their shots look Zion even yeah Zion does not have a good shot like everybody's talking or everybody's showing the replay where he missed the uh he missed the free throw Mm -hmm. that thing bounced before he got it it was such a bad free throw that it bounced on the ground. <laughs> Nobody expected it to be that bad that short. Yeah, you And then know, Ja Morant doesn't look... His shot doesn't look good. Ja Morant's shot, it does not look great. Um, but he does have... He has the ability to shoot off the dribble, which is cool. And his, his success isn't necessarily going to hinge on his shot. You know, he's a facilitator and he's an athlete. I'm not very excited for these NBA prospects. Hey, that is what people said about LeBron. Did they? <laughs> like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I got a bad case of the March Madness, so I got to go see the doctor real quick. Got to go to urgent care, take some pills so I could my skin could stop falling off. Uh, wish me good health, Dylan. Don't die. I'll try not to. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on the socials. On Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA, on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Pod. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at gmail.com. Remember, it's a two, the number two, not T O. Please download, subscribe, listen, and give us a rating. If you haven't subscribed and set to auto download yet, what are you even doing? Like, we know you only want to listen to half of these, so just download them anyway. Auto-download. It's easy. You don't even have to think about it. It just downloads for you. Do it for us. Come on. All right. I'm going to go. Bye, Dylan. Take a seat.